Ephesians chapter number one. Uh, we're going to start from verse number one. But first, review from last week. All right, so last week we talked about the eternal plan of God for heaven and earth and how Lucifer, well, Lucifer first before he became Satan, he said, I will become like the Most High. So Lucifer wanted to be like the Most High, which means he wanted to be the blank of blank and blank. Possessor of heaven and earth. Thank you, sir. Possessor of heaven and earth. If you run the references and you look for the most high, the term the most high, the first law of first mention, actually the second mention, the first mention was with Melchizedek. He was just introducing who the most high is. And then the second mention, which is the next, next verse later, it says the most high is the possessor of heaven and earth. So Lucifer wanted to be the possessor of heaven and earth as well. You know what? Let's pray first, right? This is the most important thing. Let's pray first. Uh, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your words. And now that we come to the preaching of your words, we thank you, Lord, that we were encouraged by the songs uh, about being on the Lord's side. And even in the next song, that even if there are things that are happening in our lives, we are, on, we are under your wings and that there we will safely abide forever. What a blessing, dear God. And so we were blessed by the singing, the songs, the music, the fellowship. We would like to ask you, Father, to please bless the preaching of your words. For it's in Jesus Christ's name I pray all these. Amen. So Lucifer wanted to be the possessor of heaven and earth, just like the Most High. Number two, when God made a covenant with Abraham, he promised the blank would be given to him and his seed and that they shall dwell there forever. The land, amen. The land would be given to him, to Abraham and his seed, that they shall dwell there forever. Number three, Satan and his fallen angels are not in blank. Contrary to popular belief. Yeah, exactly. Thank you very much, Miss Ingrid. Uh, contrary to popular belief, people think that Satan lives in hell right now. No, he is the prince and the power of the air. And I think, uh, Brother Bill, you said that you have a good lesson on the book of Revelation. So I heard you say that. Uh, if you'd remember in the book of Revelations, in the tribulation sometimes, these principalities and powers are going to land in the earth. Remember that? So they're not in hell. People think that they live in hell. They're not in hell. They're the, Satan is the prince in the power of the earth, or uh, sorry, of the air. Um, singular for principalities and powers, which we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with princi principalities and powers in high places. Rulers of the darkness of this world. Amen. Satan worked so hard to try to possess heaven, but God gives it freely to those who do not work, but simply blank the gospel. Believe. Believe. Amen. So, that was the review from last week. Praise God, you all get an A+. How about the review from a few weeks back? Let's see if you still remember. Amen? And this is more talking about the doctrine of adoption. And so uh, the question during that time, if you remember, is when we get saved, are we simply, are we really 
the child become, do we really become children of God or are we just adopted? Because both concepts, both terms are in the Bible, right? So both of them are biblical doctrine. So the problem is, if we approach the Bible with our modern beliefs or just our modern mindsets or our modern culture, we think that adoption is just going, something like going to the adoption center, adopting a baby who's an orphan, and then just putting them into our family. Well, that, while that seems, that's, that's great for our time right now, that is not what the biblical doctrine of adoption is. Because if that's simply how we're going to apply that term to the term adoption, then there's a problem there. That means we are in the family of God, but your father is still somebody else. Hmm. Remember that? So review. When we get saved, yes, by virtue of regeneration, we do become children of God when we put our faith in Him. In Spanish, ahora mismo. Right in that exact time. So many things happen when we get saved, amen? So many things, so many exciting things that happen when we get saved. Right in that exact time, we become children of God by virtue of us putting our faith in Him and by virtue of regeneration. But we also receive the spirit of blank, adoption. All right? The spirit of adoption is also called the earnest of our inheritance. And an earnest in modern times, in our time today, is called a what? A down payment. Man, you guys are good. I should stop putting all these clues over here. <laughs> it's called a down payment. So in olden times, they would say, they would call it an earnest money, right? So when we get saved, God says, I'm going to give you my spirit, also called the spirit of adoption, also called the Holy Spirit, because it's an earnest, it's a down payment until the redemption of the purchase possession in Romans chapter number 8. God gave us the earnest of our inheritance, which is the spirit of adoption, until we get to the adoption, which is the blank. Man, I already told you the answer. The, re the redemption of the purchase possession or the redemption of our blank, our bodies. All right. Now, there's a reason why we're reviewing this. There's a reason why we're, re we're reviewing what we discussed last week. And it has to do with what we're talking about today, about predestination. Now, um, you've heard that before. We talked about that last week. And you've probably heard the term TULIP which is an acronym for the five pillars or five points of Calvinism. T being total depravity. U being unlimited election. L being limited atonement. I being irresistible grace. P being the preservation of the saints. And some people would say, well, if you really are a Bible believer, you would be at least a one-point Calvinist. Because you would believe on the total depravity of men. Well, if you, you know, if we're talking about how man can't save themselves, sure. But if you actually read the definition of total depravity as defined by the Calvinists themselves, they will say that men cannot even put their faith in Christ. 
God has to choose them to put their faith in Christ and then empower them to put their faith in Christ. So there's a danger there because it means that you as a man, us as men, we don't have free will to put our faith in Christ. But what we're going to talk about is the you part. That's why it's read up here, unlimited election, because that's where they put the term predestination in. All right? So to be fair with everyone and to be fair with the Calvinists as well, uh, I know a few, a few guys that are Cal- Calvinists that are good guys. Some of them are my friends and some of them I try, and try, to, try to share the gospel as well. One of my, one of my best, best student, when I say best, that means he's one of the best debaters ever <laughs> that I know, who's in Bohol right now. I'm not going to tell you that his name is Sam. <laughs> oh, wait, I just said it, huh? Uh, he was a, a Calvinist before. Um, but now, praise God, we were able to talk about the Bible. Or he was able to, show, to study the Bible by himself, so he's not that anymore. But let's, to be fair, let's, let's have them define what predestination means. And this is what they have I'm going to quote the Westminster Confession, chapter 3, articles 3 and 4. By the decree of God, quote, by the decree of God for the manifestation of His glory, watch this. Some men and angels are predestined unto everlasting life, and others foreordained to everlasting death. You get that? Some people or angels, God chose them God foreordained them that they're going to be saved. And some people and angels, God foreordained them that they're going to be lost. Let's continue. These angels and men thus predestinated and foreordained are particularly and unchangeably designed. And watch this. And their number so certain and definite. It's fixed. It's a fixed number. Their number so certain and definite that it cannot be either increased or diminished. That means God shows everyone that's going to be saved. And if somebody else who is not part of that number wants to be saved, nope, no room at the end for you. You cannot add to it. You cannot diminish from that number anymore. Are you still there? Did you get, that? You get, did you get their definition? Why is that? Sort of dangerous. Not sort of. Why is that dangerous? Because why do we have to go out and share the gospel? If God's going to save them anyway, then they're going to be saved. See that? Whosoever will. Amen. We'll talk about that here in a bit. Thank you very much, sir. So let's go to, to our text here. Let's start in Ephesians chapter number 1. Verse number 1. Paul, who is speaking? Paul, who is an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Who is he speaking to? To the saints which are at Ephesus and the faithful at Christ, in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us Look at that. Who hath blessed us with 
some spiritual blessings, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So you got to be in Christ to be partakers of those heavenly, heavenly blessings. As he had chosen us, and I have it over there, according as he had chosen us in him. Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So God chose us in him. All right? So did it say, what, what I'm trying to do right here, I'm trying to, to slow down so we're not sort of just kind of going through this really fast. What I'm trying to do here is for us to go through the text and let the, the text speak for itself. Because most of the time, and I am guilty of this myself, we approach the Bible with preconceived ideas, whether it's from the school of thought that we, we came from or the set of doctrines that we came from. Well, that's good if the set of doctrines that we came from are correct. But sometimes... It's just hard to see what the truth is if you're convinced in your mind that there is no more room for learning. Amen. So let's just look at the text and see, does it really say that God, had, God chose unsaved men, God chose saved men, or, uh, uh, men to be saved and some men to be unsaved? Is that what it says? Is, what, is that what the text says? So it says that God chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Next verse. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. And so you mentioned that earlier, sir, about whosoever believeth in Him, right? And so we're talking this portion of scripture is what they would use to talk about predestination but then it's also talking about the good pleasure of his will how could god god's will choose who's going to be saved and choose who's not going to be saved if in another portion of scripture he says he is not willing that any should perish but that all should come, just like Brother Bill prayed earlier, but that all should come to repentance. All right? To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He had called us, where, sorry, wherein He had made us accepted in the Beloved. Verse 7. I know it's a long, uh, it's a long text here, but bear with me. In whom we have redemption through His blood. Whew, praise God for that. The forgiveness of sins. If God says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God, even prepositions are important. In whom, when we are in Christ, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, wherein He had abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will. Remember, I think exactly three weeks back, we talked about, or four weeks back, we talked about why Satan hates the mystery. 
But that mystery God had made known to us right now. If Satan knew that mystery, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If Satan knew this thing that we're reading right now, I got to be careful. I'm so excited. I can't, be, I can't get ahead of myself here. All right. Um, if Satan knew about this portion that we're reading right now, he would not have crucified the King of glory. So, um, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. If it was made, if, the mis- if it's a mystery, then it's a mystery. You can't understand what it is, right? It's sort of like a secret. Until it is made known. So if it is made known unto us already, it should not be a mystery anymore. Sadly, some people think it's still a mystery. Next verse, verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one things, in all, sorry, in one, all things in Christ, in Christ, See that again? That's important. Both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even what? In Him. I'm always, I'm putting my emphasis on that, in Christ and in Him, all right? In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the the purpose. Time out. I sincerely need to get my own whistle up here, amen? We read the term inheritance. Now remember, we talked about inheritance when we talked about the, the doctrine of adoption. Our inheritance, well, God gave us an earnest, a down payment for our inheritance. We, ha- we don't have it yet, but we have the down payment for it, which is the spirit of adoption. So what is that inheritance? That should give us a clue. Amen. Again, I should not, be, I should not get ahead of myself. Um, he might get, or sorry, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be the praise uh, to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Twice already we read the term predestinated. All right. Question in those. Exact in those two instances that we read the word predestination, did it say that God predestined men to be saved and some men to be lost? It actually says that we that are in Christ are predestinated unto the adoption. That is quite simply what the text said. No preconceived ideas. It did not say we are predestinated to be saved or lost. It just simply says we are predestinated unto the adoption. That's it. Service is done. Let's go home. <laughs> no, but then we have to understand what, does, what's that talk, what that's talking about. All right? Uh, next verse over here. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard in the word, uh, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom, if you don't have this memorized yet, after we've talked about this verse for so many times, it's a good verse to memorize once you're when you're sharing the gospel to people. 
in whom also after that you believe, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Watch that inheritance. Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the what? The redemption of the purchased possession until the praise of His glory. All right? So we are only, for the next few minutes here, which is 18 minutes, for the next 18 minutes, we're going to be talking about four points. Number one, the word predestined in all its forms only appears four times in the Bible. We read two of it already in the book of Ephesians chapter number one. The, two, the other two are found in Romans chapter number eight. And this is going to be important because if we read the context of Romans chapter number eight, it's going to give you another clue of what predestination is actually talking about. All right. Romans chapter number eight. Let's read the other two. Verse number 29 to 30. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be saved and some to not be saved. Is that what it says? I'm just showing you the text, right? Listen, whoever, you know, however great the preacher speaks, which you know I'm not because that all praise, all, all glory goes to God, amen. However, however much the preacher has a golden tongue, let God be true and every man a liar. We need to know what the word of God says. That preacher is going to be gone, but the word of God will not pass away. So that's what I'm training each and every one of us to do. We need to know what the word of what the text says. All right. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Not, not predestinate to be saved or predestinate to be, to be lost. To be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. So, just by the text alone, does it say anything about predestination to be saved or predestination to be, to be lost? Nope. It talks about predestinating predestination to be conformed to the image of the Son in Romans chapter number 8. In Ephesians chapter number 1, predestination, predestined unto the adoption. So that's point number one. What's point number two? Brother Francis's messages are super long when it comes to the introduction, but only super short when it comes to the message itself. We're still in the introduction, amen. Number two, who are predestinate? Who are predestined? Men, unsaved men. Some of them are part predestined to be saved, and some of them predestined to be lost. Is that what? If, is that who are predestined? Is that what the Bible says? Is that what the text itself says? No. That's why I keep on emphasizing it. The people that are predestined are the people that are in Him. Amen. That's the answer. Amen. Ephesians chapter number 1 verse 3 says, According as He had chosen us in Him. Before the foundation of the world. Ephesians chapter number 1 verse 10 says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ. Amen. Both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. 
There are some people that are in heaven. There are some people that are in earth that are also in him. All right? So we don't, have, we, we don't have the time to talk about that dispensation of the fullness of time. So I'm just asking you to, to focus on the term in Christ and in Him. See, theologues and intellects are so busy with mental gymnastics to try to explain away a doctrine that is non-existent in the Bible. They use big words to intimidate the living daylights out of people, but they don't have the slightest clue of what being in Christ means. I suggest to these people, as I submit to everyone, even myself, just read the text as it is. And without any preconceived ideas or schools of thought, and let God explain what He means. Amen. 2 Corinthians, you don't have to go there. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Romans 8 verse 38 to 39, don't have to go there. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. It does not end there. It says, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The doctrine of being in Christ has so much weight into it that people don't understand it. Once you get saved in our time right now, in our dispensation, once you get saved, once we get saved, we are put in Christ. And those are the people that were predestinated to go somewhere. The Bible says nothing about God choosing who will be saved and who will not be saved. It does say that before the foundation of the world, God planned a future destination for people that are in Him. You see that? You see the big difference? Number three. Wow, wow we're quick, huh? <laughs> Number three. What is this pre-planned destination of those that are in Him? What is this predestination? What, where are they predestined to go? They, meaning us. Because if you're saved right now in this dispensation, you are in Christ. Amen. Romans 8 verse 29. Remember it says we are predestinate. Those that are in Him are predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate. To what? To be saved or to be lost? No. To be conformed to the image of His Son. That's what the text said. I, I didn't say that. Next. Ephesians 1 verse 5. Having predestinated us to be saved or to be lost. Is that what it says? Having predestinated us unto the adoption. Amen. Now, so being predestined. So, so there's two things. We are predestinated, number one, to be con conformed to the image of His Son. Number two, unto the adoption. Well, how do we reconcile that? What does that even mean? I'm glad you all asked. Thank you for asking, amen? Well, let's let the Bible answer. What does the word adoption mean? We already talked about that. We actually talked about that in our review earlier. Romans 8.23 And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, have you ever told yourselves 
told yourself, said to yourself that you're at your wit, wit's end. Meaning you're at your, your mind. You're, you're, you're like, you're losing your mind, right? <laughs> to wit means in other words, or to bring to mind, or namely, or i.e., right? The adoption, and because God loves us so much, He's going to define what the adoption is. The redemption of our body. The Bible does not say that man is predestined to be saved or lost. Even if you read it backwards to, or from the back to the front, it does not say that. I'm sure he knows who gets saved or who gets lost, but he still gives everyone a chance. That's why he says, whosoever will. But it's your free will. It's your choice if you're going to be saved or not. God, God made the way. It's your choice if you're going to believe it or not. All right? Sure, he knows who's going to be saved or not. But he did not pre. There is nowhere in the Bible that it says he predestined who's going to be saved or not. All right? Um, the Bible does not say that man is predestined to be saved or lost. The Bible says that everyone that is in him during our time is predestined to the adoption, which he defines is the redemption of our body, which is during the time when we are conformed into the image of his son. Now, let's put everything together. You ready for this? Think about what we talked about last week. About during the beginning of, during, before the foundation of the world, Lucifer had the plan that he wanted to be the possessor of both heaven and earth. The earth was given, is given to Israel. That's why they are the most, uh, the, the most persecuted country or people in the world. Because Satan knows that. But who is the heavens given to? Right? Here we go. In other words, before the foundation of the world, God knew that Satan would want to possess both heaven and earth. So he gave the earth to Israel and he pre-planned predestination. The destination of the church, which is the body of Christ, us today. Even before we existed that's why it's called predestination. Before we existed, God planned everyone that's going to be in Christ. The body of Christ, our pre-planned destination is heaven. But how could that be? But because we cannot operate in the heavenlies in this vile body, the adoption has to happen first. Meaning we need to be conformed into the image of His Son first. We need to, we, this is when we get our incorruptible bodies during the catching away or the rapture. So the doctrine of predestination does not have to do with anything about who gets saved and who does not get saved. It just says, it just says, simple as that. Whoever is in Christ, whoever is saved right now, you are predestined to be in the catching away. Some of us are in heaven already because maybe you're saved, but you've already went on to be with the Lord. But hey, you're still included in the rapture. Amen. Some of us are still in earth, but all of us are in Him if we're saved in this dispensation. 
And when we're saved in this dispensation, whether we have our loved ones that have gone on to be with the Lord already or whether we're still alive today, once that rapture, once that catching away happens, guess what? We're all going to have that uh, incorruptible bodies. Why? Because we're going to inhabit heaven, which is our predestination. And that's what predestination means. The end. Praise God, we can all go home. It's not as easy as that, is it? Now that I understand what the Bible really says about predestination, what now? Number one, this is, this is the last point. This is everything before this was the introduction. This is the message here. <laughs> Number one, not only reading the Bible is important, but how you read it. You can't approach the Bible with preconceived ideas or with your cultural mindset. Amen. Look at what the Lord Jesus Christ himself says to the, to the rich man. He asked him two things. Sometimes, sometimes we're guilty of asking people just one thing. What does the Bible say? But Jesus Christ asked this guy, he said, He said unto him, what is written in the law? Or in other words, if we're going to apply it to our time, what does the Bible say? But he didn't stop there, did he? He says, how readest thou? So those two things are important as well. What does the Bible say? And how do you read it? If you read it with preconceived ideas or your school of thought or your preconceived wrong doctrines, then you're in trouble. So many people use the same Bible, but they read it the wrong way. And we've talked about this before, 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Do you know that out of all the group in history, in time, from the beginning over to the end, out of all the people, out of everyone in the Bible, you know who is the only group of people commanded to study and to write, divide the word of truth? Us, the body of Christ. You know why? Because God knew that in this time, there are going to be so many conveniences. It's so easy to search something in the computer, right? It's so easy to, to read the Bible. And it's so easy to get access to the Bible already. But while everything is written f- for us, not everything is written to us. And that's why you have to rightly divide the word of truth. And not only that, we talked about it before in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7. Consider what I say, that's the, what the Apostle Paul is saying, and the Lord give thee understanding in some things, in all things. If you put the glasses of what the Apostle Paul is saying and filter everything in the Bible through the Apostle Paul, that's how we get understanding. Why? Because our gospel is found in 1 Corinthians in the writing of the Apostle Paul. But sometimes you're going to read in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and you're going to see that people have to go and, and, uh, and sacrifice a lamb or turtle doves or a heifer or something like that. But because you, you read that, the Old Testament, through the eyes of the Apostle Paul, you say, oh, wait, that's not written to me. 
It's good to learn the lessons there, but that's doctrinally not written to me. What, say, what says the scripture and how do you read it? Two things that are super important. Number two, our motivation for being an ambassador for Christ. So number one, not only reading the Bible, but how do you read the Bible? Number two, our motivation for being an ambassador for Christ is not because we are predestined to be saved or lost or to be lost. Our motivation is because we love Christ and we fear God. And I need to be careful when, we say, when I say we fear God. I mean we know what happens to our relatives and friends who don't trust in God. All right? And because we operate under grace, we have to know well, let's go to the verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. After this, there's just one more point and then we're, we're, we're done. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20 to 21. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made righteous, the righteousness of God in him. Man, that's rich over there. You know how sometimes in weddings you can't attend, so you send a proxy? Or when you, you have a business meeting and you can't attend because you have a prior obligation, so you send a proxy to stand in your place. God did not make Jesus Christ to be the proxy of us. He made Him to be sin for us. Jesus Christ became our, he became our sin, and that's why he nailed, God nailed him to the or he had to be nailed to the cross. He had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14 to 15. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Watch this verse. The love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then, we are, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which should live, which, uh, sorry, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So, what does that mean in English, Brother Francis? That means you give in the offering, offering plate because you're not afraid that the pastor might preach against you for not giving. You give because you love Christ. You come to church not because of fear, because, uh, because, of, because the preacher might preach against you. You give because you love Christ. Or you come to church because you love Christ. You don't have any other motivation except that you love Christ. Loving Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is, has to be its own reward. Amen. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 11, Knowing therefore the terror of God, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Knowing therefore the terror of God. We've studied about hell, right? Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We know what's going to happen to unsaved people. So that should in itself be our motivation. 
Number one, not only reading the Bible is important, but how you read it. Number two, our motivation should be because we love Christ and we're afraid of what's going to happen to, to the lost people. And number three, last but not the least, <laughs> don't be weird and mystical. Be Bible believers, amen? When you read the Bible, just read the text and let God say whatever He wants to say. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11. Um, and sometimes we're so busy, we're guilty, I myself included, of being mystical that people think we're weird. I sometimes think I'm weird. Not sometimes, maybe all the time. <laughs> but look at this, time and chance. I returned and saw, saw under the sun, Ecclesiastes 9.11, that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, Neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. But time and chance happened, happeneth to them all. You see, if you live with that doctrine of predestination, thinking that God predestines people who are saved and who are not saved, the danger there is that you are not going to want to share the gospel. I know so many churches, both here and abroad, where this doctrine crept in and that church slowly died because people stopped sharing the gospel to other people. And some people would say, you know what? God never brings me divine appointments. Have you heard of that? Divine appointments? God gave me or God gave me the opportunity to meet with this person. It's a divine appointment. And while I I also thought about that many times before, maybe some of it is only by time and by chance. Look at what it says in 1 Samuel 6 verse 9. And see if it goeth up by the way of his own coast to Beth Shemesh, then he had done us this great evil, but if not, then we shall know that it is not his hand that smote us. It was a chance that happened to us. What does that mean? Have you ever applied for insurance and then there's one thing that says acts of God? Meaning bad things that happen in the, uh, in the atmosphere or weather or earthquakes or whatever. You know, some of that is maybe not the act of God. Maybe it's just chance that that happened. God created the world and He is not micromanaging each and everything of it. It is our responsibility to just take those opportunities and share the gospel to them. We don't need to, look, to wait for a divine appointment, if you will. Last but not the least, Luke chapter 10, verse 30 to 31. What does Jesus think about divine appointment? This is talking about the, uh, the, the Good Samaritan. And Jesus answered, answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on, by on the other side. 
What I'm trying to say, brethren, ladies and gentlemen in Christ, once a dangerous doctrine gets a hold of our lives, we start becoming weird by looking, by waiting for divine appointments. When God says, if you have that opportunity to share the gospel, you don't have to wait for a divine appointment. You share that gospel. What about you today? Have you trusted in the, world, in, in the Lord Jesus Christ? Um, if you're saved, when you read the Bible, do you, read, do you know how to read the Bible? Praise God for His Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank You, Lord, for Your words. We ask that we, we've gone a, uh, a lot over, but we pray, Father, that You would help us understand the danger of this doctrine and that we need, we need You, Father. We need You to teach us to, te- to read Your Word well and um, to be good ambassadors for Christ, friends. In Jesus' name we pray all these. Amen.